2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: Hands steel to slap his desk. Welcome into Odd I'm Mike Palm, and he is Amal Shaw. I'm all glad to be back with you after the day off tomorrow. Femi, great job. Thanks for filling in. Let's start out with news in the NFL today. Cam Newton back with his old team, the Carolina Panthers.
5: I thought you were going to say the Auburn Tigers. I would have been more excited for the Iron Bowl, but let's talk let's about talk. All about in, family. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> so, exactly right. Uh, listen, when you look at this, uh, I mean, how much is it going to improve them? I feel bad for P.J. Walker. He thought he was going to get his opportunity. Now Cam Newton's going to be back in the mix. We'll see how quickly Cam gets that starting job with Sam Darnold being out with a fracture in the shoulder. Do you think there's a chance he starts this
4: Sunday in Arizona? No, not likely. I think it's too quick. Okay. Will he energize the fan base in Carolina? Uh, no, they're waiting for that Duke-Carolina game. <laughs> Duke looked pretty good, by the way. Uh, they looked great. They look, they really, look good. really good. Yeah. I just don't know if I can sit through 30 farewell speeches for Mike Krzyzewski. Jesus Christ. He you would have ru- thought this guy cured cancer. Brutal. Any thoughts on OBJ? We're going to have Frank Schwab on. Not yesterday. He was, was on Wednesdays, but he's going to join us today in about 30 minutes. We'll ask him if the Packers are a reasonable candidate for OBJ. Your thoughts on where he's going to land, if anywhere.
5: Yeah, it's a great question. I think Green Bay would be the ideal landing spot. You know, you talked about Kansas City. I really don't think they need to add to the offense. I think OBJ would become a bit of a distraction potentially there with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey already. You mentioned New Orleans, his hometown. That's a potential landing spot. But how long before he's criticizing Trevor Simeon? Has he ever seen Trevor Simeon play? Well, none of us have seen him play particularly well, so it'll be interesting to see OBJ. But in Green Bay, can you imagine Devontae Adams potentially with OBJ? Can he stomach being the number two receiver there? Because there is no question... That Devontae Adams is not only the number one. Look, majority of the people would say he's the best receiver in the league. I, got, I have him at number two behind D Hop, but for me, I got no problem if you got Adams number one. Where
4: could Odell uh, reasonably go where he would be number one?
5: LSU. Uh the reality of it is at this point in time, it would probably be a team that you look at. It's not about talent necessarily. I guess the Lions.
4: If he went to the Lions, but he's not going to the Lions. No, he's not going <laughs> to the Lions.
5: It's it's, you know, the reality of it is it's not necessarily about the talent. We know he's immensely talented, but the question is, how does your personality fit in? I always think of two players in the NBA that have been able to stick around for so long during their careers because of their personalities. Kevin Willis and Vince Carter, great, likable guys. And if you're that way, people will keep you around. You see it in baseball, guys that are able to hang around for a long time, just being a good teammate.
4: Yeah. All right, let's go. It's Thursday, so let's go to my rankings, top five in the power rankings for me. This was probably my toughest week because there was uh, so much carnage there amongst the top five. Everybody, the Bills, where they lost. The, the ran- Oh, okay.
5: No, go ahead. Finish up. Now. No, you had something to say. I
4: just want to say, do we have the Browns in the top five? No, no, we do not. No, we do <laughs> okay. not. Okay, your team has fallen. Your team, the Los Angeles Rams, I have at fifth. You I think no, I've overreacted, moving them from second to fifth off the loss at home to the Titans. Yes and no. Okay. The team as a collective,
5: no. Matthew Stafford should be in the number eight. Okay. Matthew Stafford single-handedly lost that game,
4: throwing the pick six and a near another pick six. That was a loss strictly on the quarterback. Michael Lombardi made a comment on his show on this network earlier this week that Matthew Stafford or maybe it was on uh, maybe it was on his uh, maybe I heard it on the GM Shuffle with Adnan Virk. Um, Matthew Stafford is responsible for the Rams losing their toughness. Having him at quarterback instead of Jared Goff. They are less tough. My god. <laughs> that
5: that is like saying somebody is afraid of Buster Douglas. <laughs> Nobody has ever said that you're afraid of Mike Tyson. No. What are you kidding me? Jared Goff and toughness? Maybe in his, More- his own
4: more so than Matthew Stafford.
5: I, I, I'd i have to ask Michael if he's watched Jared play in, uh,
4: for the Lions this year. No way.
5: The, I, I don't buy that at all.
4: My number four team is a new entry to the list, and it's the team that beat the Rams. I have the Tennessee Titans right now, number four. I don't know. I, I, you know the fact that King Henry is out obviously factors in that because I think if he was here, he, they might be second uh, in my rankings right now. But what they've done the last four weeks is, is very very impressive.
5: I would agree with you completely and I still think though they're going to have a bit of a fall off at some point in time without Henry because remember the offense didn't play particularly well against the Rams. That's the one thing that I think got overlooked in this victory. It was the defense that did a tremendous job in this game. I, I to tell you I like the
4: I like the Saints Titans under this week. I, I I think that number was masked by the fact that the effort was so terrible kept turning the ball over in the red his own his own yeah. end of the field. Former number 1 moves up the charts to come in at number 3 this week. The Arizona Cardinals I thought it was a great week for them. They did it without their quarterback, without their top two receivers. This defense has played well under Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph had a tough run in Denver when he was there, right? They couldn't get anything going. But what he's done as the Arizona defensive coordinator is impressive. I think they're set up now beautifully this week with Carolina coming to town. And they had the luck of, of, look, the Rams lost and the Cowboys lost. They're they're zeroed in here and maybe getting a one seed in the NFC still. I know they still have the return trip with the Rams, but you have to think now, having swept the 49ers Seattle is not going to be that much of a challenge for them in this division
5: yeah listen I love your ranking here Gary Barta I mean what are you the college football playoff committee here with this ranking of Arizona
4: number three Why, wow, you think they're too low yeah I do who do you got ahead of them well I'll tell you who I got ahead of them I have the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and number- Super Bowl champions world champions well who they got somebody in Europe that's going to be better than them Tampa Bay, I have at number two. They benefited from the bye week. The other teams lost, and they moved up the charts. Um, Does that mean Green Bay's number one? Green Bay's not in this list. Number one, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God.
5: Dude, come on. Seriously, this is not meant to be a joke. This is meant to be serious. I am serious.
4: I still have Buff- Buffalo as my number one team. Look, their trouble here is that they need to protect Allen better. Do, okay. The do you even know what the hell's going on here? <laughs> what are you talking about? We're supposed to be—you're supposed to be ranking the top
5: five teams best in the National Football League. Okay, that's why I like Buffalo Bills. Here's the best part about your rankings: you've got four teams that have a better record than the Buffalo Bills. Okay. I, I told you. I knew you were an AP poll voter.
4: The the games don't matter to you. Well, Just g- very the- subjective here. The games matter. Look, people, you can't really downgrade them that much off a loss to urban Meyer urban Meyer has won 86% of his games at the collegiate level all right it's still football them all it's still played with 11 players they still get six points for a touchdown three points for a field goal and you knew this team in Jacksonville would get better as the season went on with urban Meyer the quarterback getting better I mean they have a lot of young players I don't say oh they lost to Jacksonville, that means they're not a top-five team anymore. I,
5: I'm not disagreeing with you there. Here's the thing. The Urbanator is, has a 25-winning percentage in the National Football Too League. Short <laughs> Too short a sample. Too short a sample. Here's my question. Tampa, they, they had a, a tough game against a team and a division opponent on the road. I don't think anybody's going to sit there and say you lost to a Saints defense that's top 10 every year. No problem with that. Arizona goes on the road with a backup quarterback with the number one or number two best receiver, depending on how you rank DeAndre Hopkins. Without their starting quarterback, number one overall pick, former Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray, they win the game. They dominate against the San Francisco 49ers. The Tennessee Titans go on the road against a team with one loss and win the football game based on their defense, one that's been criticized the last several years, including this year. And you want to put the Buffalo Bills, a team that can manage six Points on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even the no, Miami Dolphins scored more points across the pond.
4: Get a little more passion for your NBA picks before you come at me with all this nonsense. Oh, I forgot. No, 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 should, no, no. Should,
5: should we crown Femi national no. champion? They a great Femi's day. Two Femi's and one. fire is the new hottest player. Two and segment. one. <laughs> He's the national
4: champion. I all, go 0 and two. I lose. All money. And your well, boy Metcalf knows what money. I can do in the association. That, that was a lifetime ago. That's now, true. Let, let's get back to that. Arizona benefited, okay, from Kyle Shanahan quitting at halftime. He gave up on the game at halftime. They're down 24. He kicks the extra point. He punts down 17 from the plus 39. They only had to play half a football. Kyle Shanahan was ready to get back to the locker room after a half. Well, he should have punted. The Tennessee Titans benefited from a terrible performance by Matthew Stafford. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Hold on. I'll get to
5: those things in a second. Shanahan should have punted, and here's why. He gave up on the game when down 24. He didn't go for two
4: to make it 16, right? But what 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 do you matter if you lose by 24? Why not go for it there on thir- I, fourth I and thirteen? I, I mean, I it's just it's such a bad but, sign. He had already conceded. So same that's thing. Why. Same thing. Playing for a tie on Monday Night Football did for him too. What does it say to the locker room when he coaches like that? Yeah.
5: John Brown put up this great graphic of the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Mike, would you look at that record there for a second? And tell me what that says. I can't see it. It's a little bit too far for my they've vision. They lost the
4: game. Just one. won eight. They've won eight. Yes, they've won. Wow. They've won eight Eight and one, huh? So, so Anybody else with just a singular loss? You don't have the pressure of having to do this, but (laughs) (laughs) who would you have number one? Would you have Arizona number one? I would,
5: because I thought they showed something in the fact that they won without their two best offensive players. That really says something about this team. You have to give them credit to road game. Look, anytime you get a road win, you know, I've had nine survivor picks so far. How many road teams do you think I've taken? Zero. That's exactly. There's a reason why. You don't take teams on the road. It's hard to win on the road. Give this team credit for going on the road and winning. They've dominated a division foe who's a contender for the Super Bowl that they've had to face off against. Yes, they dropped one game on a Thursday night in which they had a couple of critical turnovers against the Green Bay Packers, but no shame in losing to the Packers. And on top of it, you don't even have the Packers in the top five.
4: I'm getting texts about people are getting headaches from all the yelling. So let's move on to a game we can bet on. Thursday night football, the Ravens go to Miami to take on the Dolphins. John Harbaugh, nine and a0 against the spread against Miami. That's the longest streak of any head coach against a single team against the spread in NFL history. Wow. This game is seven and a half. It's touched eight in some spots, mostly seven and a half, forty-six and a half. Let me ask you this, Amal. Are you using the Ravens? <laughs> seen the Ravens? I know. It's not a road team. Uh and your survivor, no. Is I used this, them last weekend. Is this a game you tease?
5: Uh down with the Ravens.
4: Yes. Uh,
5: I would actually probably tease it both ways here. really? You think Do- this game's Do- gonna land seven, eight, nine, ten. Thursday night games are tough. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. short week. They played a competitive overtime game against Minnesota, had to go almost that full extra 10 minutes there. Miami had a bit of a, a little bit of an easier path against the Houston Texans here. Uh, remember, the Ravens embarrassed uh, Miami a couple of years ago down in South Florida. Could be a similar uh, situation here, but I I don't want to touch this game from a point standpoint. I I can see why people would tease the Ravens down, but I'm not a guy that generally likes to tease teams down on the road as much.
4: Does it matter to you whether it's uh, Tua or Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback for Miami? I prefer Jacoby Brissett. You do?
5: Well, because he might every once in a while throw the ball down the
4: field like he did against the Raiders. Center is out for Miami. I think that Martindale will dial up plenty of blitzes tonight and he'll get to either one of them. Both of these Miami quarterbacks are immobile. You think two is a running quarterback, but he's not good at avoiding a pass rush. Two has never been a running quarterback. He he maybe can slide
5: step in the pocket. The other thing is I think in two his contract it says I will not throw the ball more than five yards down the field.
4: That's <laughs> the other issue with that team. In this game like this, quickly as we close this segment out, in a game like this, Baltimore-Miami, at what in a point spread do you assign for the home field for Miami? I think it's relatively nothing. It is nothing. I mean, you have about 16 fans. Ravens fans, good opportunity to see their teams play in person. Yeah, there's plenty of good tickets available. Grass to grass. I just don't think that there's much of an advantage here. So what could be built in? All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at college football matchups, including a big Thursday night game in the ACC.
6: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when... The phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that? A myth. On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Businessweek, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday... Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on vSEN, the
0: sports betting network.
4: We have a new prop tracker now available on vsin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to vsin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop hacker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vsan.com slash NFL. Welcome back into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He is Amal Shaw from the NFL. Let's transition to college football. And I actually think the game of the night is not in the NFL in Miami, but it's actually in Pittsburgh, where heavy thunderstorms are expected, at least for the second half of this game. Amal, um, we've seen this total between North Carolina and Pittsburgh drip, dip all the way from 75.5 down to 72. Um, Pitt still a six-and-a-half point home favorite.
5: Yeah, this is why you're seeing this total come down. I still played this game over. Uh, I think both these defenses are going to really struggle to slow down both of these teams offensively. It should be a lot of fun. Pittsburgh in the top five in college football in sacks. The question is, can they get home to Sam Howell? Mike, I'll tell you, if people haven't watched Sam Howell play much, he is incredible in terms of pocket presence and moving around or running and scrambling and getting the first down. Really tremendous in terms of his mobility. That Wake Forest-Carolina
4: game in the one teens yeah. last week. I, I'm glad I didn't bet this till today because I'm going in on 72 over. Yeah, I, I, I still would play 75. I, I think this is another game you're going to be in the 40s at halftime, and unless the weather is so bad that they can't throw the ball forward, a bad defense is still a bad defense.
5: And to your point, hey, I always point back to the Florida State-Miami series. The highest scoring game in series history was a monsoon in Tallahassee. Yeah. So you just never know. In terms of the, it's generally wind
4: that affects the game more than anything else. So we'll see how that plays out tonight. Let's fast forward to tomorrow night. Uh, University of Cincinnati, unimpressive the last two weeks. They moved up one spot from sixth to fifth by virtue of the Michigan State loss uh, in the College Football Committee rankings, playoff rankings. They go to South Florida, take on the Bulls. Cincy, a twenty-three point road favorite with a total of fifty-seven. Are you a little bit hesitant to lay big numbers now with Cincinnati as they've struggled? Just to win these games against mediocre
5: teams. Yeah, normally, I would agree with you, but here's the thing. I think this is the game where Cincinnati bounces back and absolutely annihilates a team. You know, you look at McLean under center for uh, South Florida, not particularly effective. I like Cincinnati here to put up somewhere in the mid 40s, and I think South Florida is going to struggle to get it into the 20s against this Bearcats defense. I absolutely think Cincinnati curb stomps them.
4: All right. Also, tomorrow night, uh, Pac 12 matchup. Utah, F, off their drubbing. They're drubbing of David Shaw. What was the yardage at halftime in that game against Stanford? 350 to twenty eight. I mean, so it was. It was. Oh, I didn't see any of the games, so I have no unbelievable. idea. Um, they go to Arizona to take on a Wildcats team that's on a one-game winning streak. Still my line. 20 consecutive <laughs> defeats. How much of that win for Arizona was the COVID issues with Cal?
5: I think a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, let's just be realistic here. 42 scholarship players for the Bearcats. Really tough spot for Justin Wilcox's team. Remember that game against USC this weekend has been postponed yes. to December 4th. They already know that neither of those teams are going to be in the Pac-12 championship game, so they're going to play that one at the end of the season. But I think that is a huge factor in it. But don't discount Arizona. They've been far more competitive in a lot of games than you've seen in the past. You're
4: high on Utah. You think they give Oregon a, a great game in the Pac-12 final if that's what happens, correct? Um, they're laying 24 in this spot with a total of 54.
5: I think they had a great chance to win the league. I don't like this number on the road, 24. It's a big number. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's team, if they play their A game, should be able to win this game in a similar fashion that they did on the farm. But at the same time, if they're a little bit sluggish out of the block, Mike, I think it could be a bit of a problem covering such a big number.
4: Yeah, also maybe a look-ahead spot with the, the uh, first round of maybe that matchup, Oregon heading to uh, heading to uh, Utah next week uh, yeah, on the schedule. Can't wait to see that one. That's going to be a critical game in the Pac-12 North and in the Pac-12 South, obviously. Oregon at Utah, pick them. Oregon at Utah... Yes. Close to it, right? It can't be too much either way. All right, let's move on to Saturday. This line continues to astonish me because I thought it would have drifted up closer to 7. But Oklahoma goes to Waco to take on Baylor. Getting no respect from the committee. Michigan State gets drubbed at West Lafayette. They're still ahead of Oklahoma. Both Michigan and Michigan State ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma. Oklahoma laying now 5.5, down from 6 at Baylor. Total of 62 of them all.
5: It's going to be an interesting matchup. This Baylor team has been pretty good. Now, they did lose that game against TCU. A bit of a surprise there. They also had a road loss at Oklahoma State, but they have played well at McLean Stadium. I think this is going to be a tough spot for the Sooners, but I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be that concerned about laying the points here with Oklahoma only because I'm not sure that this Baylor defense will be able to slow down uh, this team offensively. Bohannon's going to have to play well for the Bears if they're going to win this game. But I, I think it's going to be competitive. I'm not going to bet Oklahoma here. But I, I can see the argument for both sides from a, a betting standpoint. Would you use Oklahoma in a money line parlay here? I would not. You would not? No. Okay. I, I think, Look, if they're not going to cover the number, they're going to be in a dogfight. Now, they could win by three or four, obviously. But I think they could be in a situation where they get tripped up.
4: All right. Your team, Ohio State's up to fourth. They're inside of the playoff picture right now due to their loss by Michigan State. They host a Purdue team that beat the aforementioned Spartans last week in West Lafayette. This game, however, will be in Columbus. Your Buckeyes lay in 21 at home with a total of 63 of them all.
5: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Let's see what the Buckeyes can do against Aiden O'Connell and Bell. If they can slow these two guys down, it should be a lot of fun to see this matchup. Um, Mike, I would be apt to take Purdue with 21 before I lay it with the Buckeyes. I'm a little bit surprised at this number. And let's see how effective Purdue's defense is against this Ohio State passing game. Because if Stroud has time, he'll pick them apart. If You get pressure on Stroud, he's in trouble. He's the collegiate version of uh, Josh Allen. Any feelings on this total of 63? i look towards the over, even though both defenses have been improved throughout the course of the season. We saw 69 last week in that game with Purdue and, uh, of course, uh, Michigan State. One other thing real quickly. The Buckeyes struggled on offense a little bit against uh, Nebraska. Played well defensively. But you go back to that Penn State game. They still put up points. They failed in the red zone. I think both teams should be able to get touchdowns in this game.
4: The Aggies of Texas A&M took care of business at home. Kyle Field against Auburn. A real good defensive matchup there between those two teams. Jimbo Fisher comes out victorious. Uh, there's really no breaks in the SEC now. They travel to Oxford to take on Ole Miss, who beat former coach Hugh Freeze in Liberty last week. A&M laying two and a half on the road, a total of 57 and a half.
5: I don't like this game. Uh, I lean towards the home team here, the home dog getting two and a half with Ole Miss. I think it's going to be a tough game. I'm a little bit concerned about Ole Miss's offense going up against this AM defense, number two in the nation in scoring defense. You know, Georgia's having... One of the greatest years. You got to go back to '93 Florida State before a team had given up at least 14 points in the first nine weeks of the season. Probably one defense that I kind of have historically overlooked. I would say Alabama 2011 is the best defense I've seen. You, you can know, make the case know, for '92 Alabama.
4: You know this 2011 Alabama. Georgia State was the only game that went. They Georgia went out, Southern or Georgia Southern. They yep. scored 21 and they rushed for 300 yards. Otherwise, they're below in everything. Below even Georgia this year with every other game.
5: That was a um, that was a game in late November. The triple option. Yep. It, it was just an aberration. It was a flat spot for Alabama. That team was so good defensively. You'd have to compare them to the 92 Tide or the Florida State team that had three shutouts in their first five games against ranked opponents. So, uh, to me, I look at this a team. They've been defensively tremendous. But and uh, can they get it done from an offensive standpoint? I think Spiller's a running back that's gone under the radar in the SEC this year.
4: Yeah. Uh, this will be a good test for them here. I, I tend to rank Texas AM above where they are at 11th. Um, I, they have two losses, so I'm not saying they deserve to be higher, but I think they're better than the 11th best team in the country. Arkansas, and who was the other loss? Well, they lost at home to oh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. The that's bad right. loss. Yeah, bad, loss. bad that, loss.
5: That You know what's unfortunate for them? This is a team right now. You you know, when you go back to, I remember USC, before they got on their run starting late 2002, they had that early loss. They had a couple of losses. This is what A&M feels like to me right now. A team that is playing almost as well as anybody in college football, we're not talking about them because they have two losses.
4: Yeah, but the first thing, if you could start with a defense like that, you get a quarterback in there, and they're going to be very tough. The, the kid is uh, that I talked about. I mean, he's got arm strength, but he just doesn't have any touch on the ball right now. Uh, ACC matchup, Wake suffers their first loss. They drop to 12th. Now they come home to take on NC State. Dave Dorn's team's actually ranked 16th. Uh, Wake lane one at home here. Uh, one at home here with a total of 66 and a half. I
5: like Wake Forest here. I think this team will be able to move the ball. I don't think there's too many defense in the ACC outside of Clemson that's going to slow down Wake Forest. I think this team's going to be able to move the ball on anybody. I'm still not a buyer into North Carolina State. Give them credit for so far what they've done at 7-2. and two, Winners of two in a row as they come into this matchup. But, you know, when you look at the wins that they have, they lost at Miami and they lost, uh, there was another loss that they had against uh, Mississippi State earlier in the year. Um, this is a good team, not a great team. I like Wake Forest here, minus one. What's the total in this game? Uh,
4: 66 and a half. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to take it over with NC yeah, State. I don't but think so, because they run the ball, and the defense yeah. is decent. They're decent, but yeah. I,
5: I still think Wake's going to move the football. Yeah.
4: I'm going to stay away from it. I don't know how Wake is in this spot after losing that game. You're so high, you're thinking, can we get there? Can we get to an ACC championship game? Are we in the playoff picture? Tough loss, especially when you give up, what, 58 to North Carolina.
5: But this game is still going to determine the fate yeah. of the ACC. Because remember one thing, NC State has the head-to-head against Clemson. Wake still has to play Clemson. So they need to get this game. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens if there's a three-way tie. If NC State wins this game, they're going to be the representative from the Atlantic Division.
4: I want to talk about one more game here. Um, I want to talk about Mississippi State at Auburn. Uh, five and a half, Auburn's lane. The total is what I'm interested in. Around 50 of them all. Any thoughts on this game? I have thoughts on the total. Uh, I'm t- I am take it you're going under here? Yeah. I think this Mississippi State defense is a little underrated, and the Auburn defense is good. I, I don't think this game gets out of hand for them. Remember Mississippi State? Look, I watched. I didn't get to see too many games because you know I went to the Iowa State-Texas game. So The really game that I watched for three quarters was Auburn and Texas A&M. Both defenses dominated that game.
5: I, I didn't see a single play in the yep. game, but I saw the score at halftime was 3-3, and then I saw A&M ends up winning, I think, 20-3. to But mm-hmm. you're right. Mississippi State defensively very good, forced a ton of turnovers. And ever since that time, we've seen when kentucky went into stark vegas they've gone into a tailspin and by the way your point about going to the game and you missed all the other games that's why i refuse to go to games if yeah. you're a true college football fan you don't want to see one game on a saturday you want to I see i can everything. only
4: watch two because they had the iowa northwestern game on you know in the booth and then the game that we were watching so i was limited to just one the one window early and that's the one i picked to watch
5: what was that a torture test no that was not a torture
4: test at all all right when, uh, when, when we come Western. back we're going to have our friend frank schwab join the program
0: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is presented to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smokes-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, and your favorite Amal Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strings, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouches, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's N.com slash f-i-n-d. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On, Mike Paulman and Mall Shaw. I hear Zen demanded to move to Frank's block. They want to. They want to sponsor the segment, Frank Schwab
5: 100% why wouldn't you this is the best segment of our show every week
4: Frank Schwab senior NFL writer and betting analyst for Yahoo Sports welcome in on a Thursday Frank
7: hey what's going on guys
4: what did the absence of Aaron Rodgers the uh, whole drama leading up to his being not not vaccinated and and this and that and what he told the media the game in Kansas City uh, that love played And then subsequently, the NFL's reaction and fines for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. What did this tell us all about the situation in Green Bay and how important he is to that squad?
7: Yeah, I think he saw last week. Like I'm sitting there watching this game and saying, "This is the guy that they uprooted their franchise for. This is the guy they moved up to go get and alienated their franchise guy." Jordan Love wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good either. And for all the people who say that quarterbacks need to sit for a full year to get ready, well, oh, okay. That that didn't work with him. By the way, the other two guys, since Aaron Rodgers, the other two guys that sat all season, didn't get a start, Brady Quinn and Jake Locker, that helped those guys? So, no. But anyway, getting back on track, I think it just showed, I think it did show the Packers are a very, very good football team. For them to go into Arrowhead Stadium, play the Chiefs as tough as they did, I know the Chiefs struggles, but for them to go play the Chiefs as tough as they did without much of quarterback, without much on off. I think said a lot about the Packers. In fact, hey, they got the money, right? They covered, again, every single time since week one. And I think you're going to be just fine with Aaron Rodgers coming back. I don't get any sense from reading anything out there, anything I've heard, that there's any lingering resentment or bitterness or anything like that from the Packers. I think they're just happy to have their quarterback back. And I think he's going to be good to go. I think he's, you know, it it doesn't hurt for a 38-year-old guy to get a week of rest, does it? So I think that as long as he's physically okay, we don't know what COVID does to people. I think that the Packers get right back on track and they'll be pretty excited to have their dude back.
5: You're absolutely right about that. Frank, I want to talk a little bit about something you guys never in the Wisco- state of Wisconsin talk about when it comes to the Packers, and that is defense. How about this team the last six weeks have yeah. not given up more than 22 points to any opponent? And I think it's gone completely overlooked. They hold Mahomes and company to 13 points. And I assumed going into the matchup that Andy Reid and company would take a little bit more of a conservative approach because they realize that Jordan Love is probably not going to beat them. Packers getting the cover and the money in that one. But this defense, even without Jair Alexander, without uh, uh, Smith, they have really done a nice job and continue to play well.
7: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say when you, you brought that up. I was going to say, yeah, look at the way this defense is playing without Jair Alexander, without Zedarius Smith. If they could somehow get these guys back late in the year, those are two uh, pretty much Pro Bowl, maybe even all pro type guys. We're talking about Alexander. His defense is playing really well and give them credit. They're picking guys up off the street and, and putting them in advantageous spots for Sewell Douglas is becoming a guy like that. It's really impressive for Gary has been a big part of this. I think that he's finally showing that first round potential he had coming out of Michigan. It's been a really the, look. The Packers are absolutely Super Bowl contender in this weird league where you can't trust anybody. The Packers week after week are exceeding expectations as, as you know, we're all betters. we, we know that, that they're beating the market every single week, even though they're a very public team. I think it says a lot about them. And if they can just stay moderately healthy, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to go out a winner, right? And 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 you know the defense is going to come along, and maybe they get some of those guys back. This is a complete team, as complete as any there is in the NFL. And uh, you know if you can still get a decent price on them to win the NFC or win the Super Bowl, go take it because there's no reason to not believe in the Green Bay Packers, right?
4: Frank, how likely a landing spot for OBJ is Green Bay?
7: Yeah, and that's interesting because the Packers have basically tried to avoid adding any receiver since like they drafted Sterling Sharp, right? Like they they just every time they have a chance to add a receiver, like no, 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 we don't we don't need any help for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know, I don't know if they think he's OBJ is going to be a good fit with them. Let's be honest, let's be real about this. The Cleveland Browns, I don't know how we got to this point. The Cleveland Browns are a better offense, and Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback without Odell Beckham Jr. That has to be a screaming red flag to some teams. And a team like the Packers might say, look, we got a Super Bowl thing. Here. We know we're really, really good. Are we going to try to screw that up by adding OBJ? What if he upsets the apple card here? I don't know that necessarily he's a great fit for them. I, I like the fit almost definitely with the Saints, although OBJ, what's he going to do when he gets three targets from Payson Hill in week 14? Like, I mean, he he's not going to be happy there. I think the Chiefs make a lot of sense. They need a playmaker so badly they need a playmaker. And then Seattle's always willing to take a shot on guys. So I see a more of Chiefs or Seahawks. I think he's going to end up with the Seahawks, but I don't know. The Packers are an interesting fit, but then you start thinking of pros and cons and Brian Gutekunst and all those guys might just be saying, hey, we got a good thing here and, and maybe OBJ kind of screws it up.
5: I like the argument you make that it potentially gives them a little bit of difficulty on the ship there. But I think with Devontae Adams and you put OBJ as a number two, boy, that is a scary thought process if you've got to go up against those guys. So we'll see what happens there. But Frank, I want to go to a team that always plays great defense in the state of Wisconsin. The Badgers are already now with an opportunity in the Big Ten West. 37 points given up in their last five games. This team has been dominant. You know, yeah. A&M and Georgia have been the basically the benchmarks in terms of what we've seen in college football defensively. Wisconsin is right there. They're going to control their own destiny in terms of getting to the Big Ten championship game. Should line up, in my opinion, against the Buckeyes. How do you like this team? How do you like their chances, especially for the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe at the end of the season?
7: I mean, I, I think it'll be a competitive game uh, against Minnesota. I think that they, they Minnesota does uh, usually doesn't win. I, I need to throw that in there. But they usually do play pretty hard, and I think that's a decent program. I'm shocked as anybody by this turnaround. You guys, I, I, I'm on with you guys every week. And early in the season, I was not excited about them before the season. Really not excited about them after three or four weeks. And they have just turned it around. And by the way, I, I want to stop talking about the Badgers defense because I don't want anybody taking Jim Leonard, okay? Like, that guy is a star in the making, and I don't want every, anybody to figure it out. I want him to just take over for Paul Chris when the time is right. I, I think J- I think Jim Leonard is he's the best defensive coordinator in college football. I, he's fantastic. You know, and it doesn't surprise me that this defense has made leaps and bounds.
4: Frank, I was a little surprised Trevor Alberts decided to stay with Scott Frost, although he, he took a haircut to stay there. Would, a, would Jim Leonard have been interested in the Nebraska job?
7: I don't know. I mean, Jim Leonard's a guy who the Green Bay Packers knocked on his door last offseason just to get a feel. Hey, do you want to come coordinate our defense? And Jim Leonard, who spent 10 years in the NFL, said, no, I'm fine here. I think truly it's a Josh McDaniel situation where the team has told him, hey, you're next in line. You're a young guy. Wait it out. You're going to get your dream job here. And Jim Leonard, obviously an alum from Wisconsin. So I think he stays. I think, I hope, maybe that's his wishful thinking from a Wisconsin alum, right? But I truly think that he thinks, hey, I'm young enough, I can wait out, Chris, and and I'll be the next Badgers head coach for the next 20 years of my life.
5: Yeah, by the way, I'm a little disappointed, Frank. First time he's ever lied on this show, he said a minute ago, he goes, I hate to say it, Minnesota really doesn't win. Yeah, right, you hate saying that Minnesota never wins that. Come on. <laughs> what kind of fallacy hey, is that? That, ax,
7: Frank, that right? ax might as well just be permanently in that. <laughs>
4: yeah, exactly. Let's transition from the great quarterback, Graham Mertz, at Wisconsin to the great head basketball coach, Greg Gard. Uh, assess the Badgers' upcoming uh, season and who you like to win the Big Ten. To me, it's a two-team race, Michigan and Purdue.
7: Yeah, same here on uh, two teams. Wisconsin, I don't think is going to make the tournament. I'd be very impressed with Greg if, if they got to the tournament this year. And that's weird for me to say because every year it was, you know, going back to even the Dick Bennett days, it was finally, after not going for the, the Wisconsin Badgers did not go for the tournament from 1947 to 1994, okay? That's what I'd stepped into when I was a student there. And, and then it became just every year he took it for granted. They're going to sneak in somehow, and I don't think they can. They're just too young, too, too many question marks on this team. Maybe they're good in a couple of years. But as far as the rest of the Big Ten goes, great conference for big men. My good. Everybody, everybody's you know, shooting threes everywhere, but the Big Ten is old school. They're like, how many big guys can we get? And It seems like they got the seven best big men in the country. Uh, I do like Purdue. I, I just like the returners a little bit better than Michigan. I think Michigan's great. I think Juwan Howard has proven himself to be a great coach already. Matt Painter is a pretty good coach too. I just like their returners a little bit more, like their depth a little bit more. I think I, I got a future on them to win the Big Ten. But uh, you know, it, it, you're right. It's a it, it definitely is a two team race. We saw like you know even Ohio State. I don't know that they're really going to be in the mix we, after they struggled opening night, and Michigan State didn't look like they're that much improved from last year. So yeah, it's kind of shaping up as as two team. Well, although Illinois might might factor in. It.
4: I long for the old days of the Big Ten to mid-80s when Uwe Blob took on the twin towers of Greg Payne and Michael Stokes from Iowa. Wow,
7: that's a that's a poll right there. I didn't expect a UA Blob uh, take
5: today. I thought he'd go with the standard Roy Marble reference, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, I'm going to tell you guys real quick, if you can get a futures bet on a player to win Big Ten Player of the Year, I like Jay Nivey at Purdue. I think he's terrific. I think he's a guy that's a little bit under the radar mm-hmm. because we talk about Hunter Dickinson and we talk about the big man, uh uh, blanking on his name right now, Purdue, but I, I like him potentially to win the big time player of the year.
7: Trevyan Williams. Thank yeah, you. Uh, yes. He's really good. I, the, the kid at in Indiana is going to get so much usage. Uh, Jackson Davis, I think is his name that I think he's going to win just because he'll end up with the, he's the only guy they got. What, what else is Indiana going to do, but feed him the ball all day.
4: Frank, thanks for the time. Again, we'll talk to you next Thursday. Or Wednesday. Absolutely Wednesday. we we'll get back on it. schedule. Yeah, hey,
7: most days. Who knows, you know? Maybe.
4: Maybe. And we we'll look forward to having him in studio here the first week of December. I well. can't wait. All right, when we come back, I'm all in in the Palm Readers Playbook.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
6: as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast, This
5: is
0: Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on vSend, the sports betting network.
4: If
5: you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local Bet Rivers, has you covered? That would be your local teams. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. Three city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, L.A., and now New York. I, I've messed up this read completely. There are CityCast in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, L.A., and now New York. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget the New York one with Will Hill does a tremendous job on there.
4: Yeah, Welcome back in. They've been about on. as good as my plays this week. I'm Mike Palm <laughs> uh, with with notice, Noted Read. Uh, I'm all shot. CityCast, noted Reader. CityCast, you can email Bill80 directly at VSIN <laughs> to, to get a refund on, on your weekly ad buy. Um, last night, you and Femi went mano a mano, and I mean, Femi was fire. Picked three money line underdogs in the NBA. Two of them won. One Absolutely. of them against you. Yeah. Any thoughts? No, Be not glad I, I'm back.
5: No, and I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I just knew you know it's. I, I would rather have Femi here. He probably wouldn't say that much. Otherwise, I would have to pull up the college football sheet. You know, when we go head to head every Saturday, but. Uh, listen, give him credit. Had a great call on, uh, really, the Memphis one was the most impressive one. Charlotte going on the road and beating Memphis uh, straight up on the road at Me- uh, FedEx Forum there. But uh, also the Detroit Pistons winning on the road against the Houston Rockets. Maybe the Rockets and Jay Sean Tate can work on their free throws. They have an opportunity to do that on an off day. You know, shoot-around's pretty easy. If you've ever been to an NBA shoot-around, there's not much going on.
4: So, All right, Amal, this is your chance to bounce back 0-3 oh, so far this week. What have we got tonight?
5: Well, we're going to try and go uh, avoid going 0-4. UNC Pitt over 72 here. I think both teams will flourish offensively. Mike, here's the thing. I think both teams are going to get into the 30s comfortably. So now, which team is it that really gets slowed down? I think Pittsburgh's going to be able to move the ball all over the field against this North Carolina defense. We should see some big plays. And even though Pittsburgh's tremendous in terms of getting sacks, they've struggled at times stopping people. We saw the youngster Van Dyke go up in there and move the football. I like North Carolina to put up 35 points plus in this game. I don't want to touch this number at six and a half. Um, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I see a 45-38, 41-38 type of finish.
4: I'd lean North Carolina with the points here, yeah. but I also am on the over as a two-unit play for me tonight, and then I don't see the Ravens losing. I'm going to lay the money line here, I'm all. I could put them in teasers. This, and I don't love a lot of teasers. There's not a lot of one going through the key numbers in, in my mind. They're either already at three, um, so you're not getting through the three. So I'm not teasing them down to one and a half. I'm just going to play them on the money line here. If they lose, they lose, but I don't see them losing here. I don't know what part of the game the Dolphins have an advantage of. I don't care that the game is in South Florida. I think this is a, this is a Ravens victory. I think they need to win these games. They, they Look, do, but I would the one thing I would push back
5: on Baltimore is they've had some games where you thought they should have won comfortably, and they haven't. The Detroit Lions, the Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. uh, this game against Minnesota was very fortunate. So let's see what happens tonight. Yep. Yeah.
4: Okay, uh, I'd like to go to the uh, NFL futures market, and, and the tickets... Uh, that are available right now, and ask you, would you rather, would you rather have a ticket for Coach of the Year at plus seven fifty on Brandon Staley or Mike Vrabel?
5: Mike Vrabel, I mean, come on, Brandon Staley's going to be fortunate to make the postseason. Mike Vrabel's got a chance to have the
4: best record in the AFC. I would agree. I think Vrabel at the same odds is a much better price. Mike McCarthy's reign as the shortest shot on the board lasted all all of one week when he just didn't take that Sunday morning advice from Jerry Jones on what the Bronco game plan would be. Did you see that quote? I did not. He said, I don't know. We were, it's not that we weren't prepared. I sat down with Mike McCarthy on Sunday and went through everything the Broncos were going to do. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Was he doing that with Bill Parcells? No, he was not. Wasn't doing it with Jimmy either. But he's no, had no, some not, not with the gymster. He's had some puppets since then that he's been able to do that with in hey, Dallas. Yeah,
5: but hey, you know what? Listen, people criticize Jerry all they want. I'm a big Jerry Jones fan, as you know. And I'll tell you right now, when you buy a team for the price he did, and it's worth what it is, one of the greatest investments in the history of time.
4: Well, from a football perspective, he, he did something that was a bit courageous. He fired Tom Landry. Yep. Was it done in the proper way? Maybe not with the Correct. proper respect, but it had to be done to have Coach Landry leave. And he brought in the right guy, Jimmy Johnson. What a turnaround and what a run they had there.
5: You know, and it's unfortunate, and I give Jerry credit. He actually acknowledged that if he probably should have kind of stepped back a little bit. This is a team. I don't know if they win four in a row, but I think Jimmy doesn't make the mistake at the end of the first half of throwing the football where they get the turnover. They come back in the second half. They played well, could have won that. I mean, this is a guy who bought a team for $150 million in 89. What's it worth now? Four About billion? Five, five, five almost five billion million. now. And if you haven't seen the stadium,
4: by the way, have you been to that stadium? No, I've never I've never been to Dallas. Okay. The uh I can't believe you haven't been to the two one four. One of my favorite cities in the world. No, no. I went down when I moved out here. I went down to 35, but it was like north there by Amarillo. The oh, okay. I didn't get any further south than that.
5: The, um, but this you go into the stadium. There's a 60 yard yard screen that Mitsubishi mm. has. Yeah. Nobody watches the game on the field. You just watch the screen.
4: Were you there when they still had the old Cowboy Stadium? And yes. Which did you prefer from a fan experience?
5: Well, you have to remember, growing up, you'd watch that open. no open God, it was God God guys, game. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> the best thing is you remember you hear, Pat Summerall, John Madden. It's a four o'clock game on the East Coast when you watch the Cowboys play the Redskins. Silhouette
4: of Landry ab- with the man ab- in the hat. Ab- yeah.
5: Absolutely. I mean, you know, Dallas growing up as a youngster, yeah. a big Tony Dorsett fan, it was amazing. But Jerry World, I haven't been to SoFi. I- I've got to get there. Uh, I-, I would probably say Jerry World. Glendale's a terrific stadium. Uh, really, and of course, so far, probably three of
4: the best. And U.S. Bank, I've heard great things about. Old Orange Bowl versus whatever it's been named, Fifth Pro Player, Dolphins, whatever it is. Well, here's the
5: problem when you go to the old OB. You're parking in somebody's backyard. They don't speak English. You don't speak Spanish in my case. And you've got to write down where you're parked in somebody's street. Otherwise, you will never find your car again. It's in a neighborhood in Little Havana down in Miami. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is not an easy place to get in and out of but it is a fun play. I'll I tell you what. I was in the press box one time for a game. It was scary. The press box shakes when you walk up there.
4: All right. Jamar Chase for Offensive Rookie of the Year at minus 140, or Micah Parsons for Defensive Rookie of the Year at minus 120?
5: I have to go with Jamar Chase, but
4: again, I have a little bit of hesitation based on what Justin Jefferson did last year,
5: and they didn't give it to him. Now, Mac Jones is not having a comparable season to Justin Herbert, though. That's the difference.
4: Can Najee Harris still pull this out? You have the ticket on him, Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's 16-1.
5: To Uh, to me, with Najee, the problem is he's just not getting enough quality touches. Look, the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers that better be the team MVP is uh, TJ Watt. Or not, uh, which Watt is it? Uh,
4: It is uh, TJ, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to say Derek Watt, the fullback. I confused the two. Uh, yeah, but I still have concerns about Pittsburgh. you have any thoughts that Lions could upset them this week? Even if they do, because that's going to be my survivor pick. You're taking Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh. Even if they do,
5: doesn't matter. I am willing to lose yeah. to an 0-8 team who's going on the road. They're coming off a of bye, Pittsburgh on a short week.
4: Sometimes you get beat and you just get beat. Bills to win the AFC at plus 250 or Bucks to win the NFC at plus 275. That's a great question. You still have to give the edge to Buffalo, though. You have to. First of all, yeah, I know you do.
5: One against Tampa Bay too. <laughs> so that you have to. But no, the reason why is the is tougher. The NFC's tougher. I, I believe a- NFC's tougher. But I think the Buccaneers have a better chance of having home field advantage now that Tennessee has a two-game lead over Buffalo because remember the head to head.
4: Yeah, they still have to chase Arizona down. Arizona's still 8 and 1 there. They I think they need the Rams to go in there and win that game in in, in Phoenix or in Glendale.
5: Who did the Buccaneers lose to? They lost to the Saints and who's the other loss to? Mm, mm, mm.
4: The Rams. The Rams, that's right. Okay, so both NFC losses. They lose the the home field if it ties with the the Rams. Rams. That's right. Uh, Steelers to make the playoffs or Bengals to make the playoffs. They're both plus 150.
5: I'll take the Steelers, and the reason is this. One thing you got to give Pittsburgh credit, and we criticize, particularly me, I criticize Mike Tomlin's clock management every week, but give this team, they have an ability to finish games. Against Seattle, they look like they were in trouble. They get the play by Watt, the sack fumble. They win the football game. Uh, against this Bears team, they go down. Now, granted, you never really felt like they were going to lose and you thought there was too much time, especially with Boswell on that sideline to win the football game. They go down and win the game. Um, I I just look at it from a standpoint that this team just knows how to close out
4: games. Yeah, Saints to make the playoffs at minus 225 or Chiefs to make the playoffs at minus 250? This might be the best question we've had in a while. Um, Mm -hmm.
5: I think both teams make the playoffs. I'd rather have the Chiefs. No, I'd rather have the Saints because the NFC, when you look at the standings, Mike, when you look at the with the standings within that league, there's too many teams that are struggling. I, I think that's where the Saints get in. They, I mean, they've got five, they're five and three. You've got Atlanta at four and four, Carolina four and five, and then everybody else at three wins.
4: Yeah, I, I just, I worry about the quarterback play for the Saints. That's what I worry about. They have a better defense. I mean, their defense is solid. It, but, it, it has been for five years. By the
5: way, Sean Payton's still coach of the year. They make the playoffs with this quarterbacking situation. He's
4: got to be of I love my 40-1 to one ticket. It's unbelievable. It is, though. I mean, they, they have, to have this situation and no Michael Thomas um, the whole year. I want to ask about your Cowboys. They host the Falcons. Lane, nine, nine and a half here in this game. I like their points on the road here for the Falcons. I think Arthur Smith's starting to get the hang of being a head coach. I think Matt Ryan's has improved his play since the year started, and I still think this Dallas team does not handle prosperity. If they don't turn you over, this is not a good defense. Yeah, outside of the first
5: two weeks where they got blown out by the Eagles and the Buccaneers, Atlanta did. They've really played well. They've competed. Mm-hmm. The two losses have been by less than a touchdown. And, you know, this is a big number of the National Football League. You're in a controlled weather environment. I think Matt Ryan and company can be effective. Uh, I, I don't know. I, and you, Mike, the, the betters agree with you. Lines come down from nine to eight. I, I think you probably have to look at the uh, Falcons here getting more than a touchdown.
4: One other game Vikings at chargers. Very interesting game sits at a field goal.
5: Yeah. That's what I thought the number should have been the whole time. I never understood this two and a half mm-hmm. on the chargers. No respect. Uh, let's see how they fare. Uh, Dalvin cook with a little bit of off field controversy. Is that going to have an impact on him? Remains to be seen.
4: All right. Amal, uh, we need good weather tonight in Pittsburgh. We're both on over 72 at the North Carolina game. Unless we can get like to 60 in the first half, then it might not matter.
5: Yeah, but remember one thing that bodes well for us. They're not going to kick field goals in that stadium. You got to you got to attack.
4: True. And they're going to throw the ball. So I'm in the sloppy turf. Wind will be more of a factor than rain. Kenny Pickett, tremendously accurate if you haven't seen him play. Stay tuned to vista. Next up, it's Betting Across America.
2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?